Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sex and sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and those amazing relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So, have you ever had to answer the question, what is sex? We know what it is, but it's kind of hard to explain. You know, sex is a multifaceted word that makes us smile and blush all at the same time. So whether we're talking about gender identity or making love, the word sex evokes an emotional response that can include pleasure, shame, confidence, or doubt. And on today's show, we're going to break it down and talk about all the different aspects of what is sex, from sexual identity to sexual mindfulness, and how we can improve our sex life with a deeper understanding of what is sex. Wow. I'm looking forward to this. I, you know, I want to know what is sex. I know. I know how to have sex. At least you've told me I do it well, but... Before we get into the show, and you could hear our guest in the background, he's chuckling. We're going to have a lot of fun chatting about what is sex today. Let's talk for a moment about our show sponsor, which is the Top Waterproof Blanket, because no one wants to sleep in the wet spot, and Squirt is hot until it's not, and I got to sleep in it. So if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our Top Waterproof Blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof and guarantees to keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets, even if you're a massive squirter like my wonderful wife Carol is. You just have to throw it down and get it on, and Top Waterproof Blanket will protect any play space from messy massage oils, silicone lube, or any other sexy wetness. It takes away the worry so you can have more fun. And the best thing is the easy cleanup. When you're done, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking brand new. Now available in two sizes, jumbo and midsize, and two color combos. And you can just order yours today on Amazon. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does. So this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're so excited to welcome today's special guest. Dr. Rich Blona is a world-renowned expert in understanding how the mind and body work together to reduce stress and enhance sexual relations. He's a coach, counselor, health educator, and author of several books, including his latest publication, Sexual Mindfulness. Rich, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you for taking time out of your super busy day, and it's so great to have you on our show. Great. Thanks so much, David and Carol. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been having a ball just looking at your website and going back and looking at some of your other casts, so I'm ready to go. Yay, that's great. So, Rich, we're really excited about this conversation, and I know you are full of information. Just tell our audience a little bit about your background and where you come from. Well, it's interesting. I um, I got interested in sexuality a long time ago, um, probably mostly attributed to growing up with a lot of Catholic guilt. So I was always interested in, in, in sex and uh, went through college as a psych major and 
My first job out of college was uh, in the sexually transmitted disease control program, which is way back when in the early 70s in New Jersey. And uh, it just fascinated me. And, and I was fascinated even more so because there was very little training that had gone on. And, you know, they took college graduates and threw them into the mix, you know, sitting in a room talking to people about their sex lives and who they're having sex with, with very little training. So it kind of just triggered an interest in me and I wound up getting a master's degree and I, I wrote my dissertation on open marriage. Um, then I got interested uh, more and more in how I could kind of integrate a more positive sexual approach into my work in the STD program. And ultimately it led to a doctorate where I kind of did half of my doctoral work in sexuality and half in health ed. And then I moved on to college teaching, wound up teaching sexuality, writing a textbook, and just spending a lot of years counseling uh, students and then clients when I retired. So it's been the past 30 years, it's been a driving passion of mine. And I really agree with you, sex does matter. Yeah, absolutely. And you do have a ton of information. And I noticed that very often when you start your discussions, you answer the question or you start your discussion with a question, I should say is, what is sex? So why do you do yeah. that? Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it's funny, we take it for granted. And as David said, in the intro, you know, we all know how to do it. And we all know what fucking is all about, right? But when it comes to sex, sex is more than just behavior. And it's just interesting when you talk to people how their perception of sex varies so much. So I'll give you a cute example. Way back when in January 16, 1998, President Clinton infamously sold the nation, I did not have sex relationships with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. Well, at the same time, he admitted that the stains on her blue dress were there because she had gone down on him in his office. Now, at that time, I was about 47 years old, and I was teaching a college sexuality class. And my first reaction to that quote was, yeah, sure. So how do you explain the stains on your dress? <laughs> well, you know, then I started thinking it over, and I really began to wonder if maybe he really didn't think that oral sex was sex. Maybe he just had a different take on it, and to him that meant something different. So I started asking my college students. And every semester I'd ask them, you know, is oral sex sex? And I was just blown away by, by the results. Most of my college students, and this went on for 20 years, most of them didn't consider oral sex sex. Wow. They kind of viewed it as a type of foreplay or, or making out, and, and they didn't put it in the same category as intercourse. And it's interesting because most of them had given or received an oral sex and hadn't had sexual intercourse, and they still considered themselves virgins. Mm -hmm. And that was like totally different by my experience at the time and my background. So I was only a couple of years younger than President Clinton at the time. But my view on oral sex was it's definitely sex, and it's probably even more intimate than intercourse. So it just it, what I learned from this is that you really can't assume what sex means to people. And if you're going to work in the area, if you're going to teach students and deal with clients, you really got to start by understanding what sex means to them and then shift gears into really focusing on what I think is the key element of sex, which is, excuse me, sexual identity. 
Absolutely. And when you, um, back then, when you were asking your students, you didn't tell them if they were right or wrong. You were just asking an opinion. But did you then right. uh, go into a discussion to prove or to substantiate your point of view, which is that oral sex is, in fact, sex? You know, is it? I never really, I never really felt I had had to because that that really was the point. wasn't to kind of prove who was right or wrong. The, the the point was really to show people that sex represents a whole broad, even sexual behavior represents a whole broad continuum. I mean, if you jerk off, is that sex? Mm -hmm. If you dry hump somebody's leg when you're 15 and come, is that sex? And rich, you know, rich, like like I know that there are kids out there who think. They've, if they have anal sex, they're still virgins. What, totally. Did, totally, you, yeah. did you guys uh, talk about that as well? You know, absolutely. I'm going to give you an example later when I talk about sexual orientation, how when I used to go and interview prisoners, uh, one of my jobs was going into local county jail and testing uh, inmates for STDs. And when I interviewed them, uh, often these guys who were having sex with other guys didn't consider themselves gay as long as they were not the receptive partner. Mm. So in other words, if somebody, uh, if they weren't sucking somebody else's dick or, or getting some, you know, having anal sex where they were the receptive partner, they didn't consider themselves gay. Mm. So as long as the other guy went down on them or they had anal sex as the inserted partner, they just considered themselves heterosexual. So again, there's a, a, a really broad spectrum on how people interpret what sex actually is. Wow, absolutely. And I know you spend a lot of time focusing on sexual identity instead of gender identity. Maybe you can help us understand the difference between sexual identity and gender identity. Sure. I think it's a real important distinction because the media right now is overwhelmed. They're consumed by transgender issues and gender identity. And it, it really leaves out the, the big picture. To me, gender identity is just one small part of sexual identity. When you look at your sexual identity, there's really six components. I mean, your first one is your biological sex or your biological gender. The second component is your gender identity. The third one is your gender role. The fourth is your sexual orientation. The fifth is your sexual behavior. And the sixth is your sexual response. Who do you see yourself as a sexual person? That, to me, is key. So let me go down through all them real quick and just kind of give you some examples. And then I'll bring it back home and I'll show you how it plays out in me as a 68-year-old white married heterosexual guy. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you're, and it's, it's best to think of all these six components as existing along a continuum to kind of see them in a more fluid, flexible way. I really learned a long time ago that, you know, very few people are fixed in one of these continuums that never budge. So if you think about the biological continuum, your sexuality starts at conception when you either have an XX or XY chromosome pairing, right? If you're XX, you're female, XY, you're male. And, and along with that comes all your genetic inheritance. And who the heck knows how much related to your sexual interest, sexual desire, all those things is even linked to your genetics. But anyway, when you look about this genetic inheritance, it really determines whether or not you become a biological male with all the equipment of a man, a biological female with all the equipment of a female, or an intersex person who falls somewhere in between. So the, the size and the shape of your internal and external sex hormones, uh, sex organs rather, 
your hormone types, your hormone levels, and your physical characteristics, you know, your shape, your size. I mean, those all exist along a continuum, and they really change over your lifetime, and they affect how you see yourself as a sexual person. When you talk about your gender identity, your gender identity is really how you see yourself. It's your internal picture of what it means to be a boy, a girl, a man, a woman, both or neither. You know, when you get into some of the extremes and you talk about people uh, who are really almost gender neutral, that, that's all part of the gender identity. And it's fascinating. And it's, it's you know, there's, we could talk about that for, for hours, but it's just part of it. Now, your gender role is how that plays out. So you can have the gender identity of a traditional, you know, white heterosexual American male like me, but how I act that out might be totally different than some of my peers. I mean, I, you know, I might have an ear piercing, I might not. I might have tattoos, I might not. I might uh, be monogamous or I might be a swinger. But, so the, the portrayal of your gender identity is an infinite spectrum. And then your sexual response. Now, sexual response to me is fascinating because it's this really interesting interplay between the body and the mind, right? And becoming aroused and, you know, taking that all the way to having an orgasm or not is really, really intimately related to what's going on in your mind during sex, you know, your thoughts, your feelings and all that stuff. So let me just show you how this plays out in a typical person like myself. So I'm a 68-year-old white heterosexual man. I've been married 47 years, and I still love having sex with my wife. Now, as far as the biological part of me, I totally understand the biological aspects of what it means to be a male, and I understand how those are related to my sexual response at age 68. I know all about how the inner and outer workings of all the equipment works, and I'm comfortable with that, so I have no issues with that. I'm also aware of the effects of aging on things like my hormones, my hormone levels, my muscle mass, my sexual response, and what it means to be a biological man. As far as my gender identity and gender role, you know, at this point in my life, I'm pretty happy and comfortable with how I see myself as a man and how that plays out and how that's kind of evolved over my life. And um, I'm comfortable being heterosexual being married and having a pretty broad repertoire of sexual activities that I engage in by myself or with my wife. And then lastly, I'm really comfortable with my sexual response. Now I realize it's changed dramatically since I've been 28, but I, I don't see, you know, I don't see that as a negative necessarily to me. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It's really no less sad. Sex to me right now in my response is really no less satisfying at 68 than that was at 28, but it is totally different. And it took me several years to kind of understand that and, and come to grips with that. Well, when we, so, turned so, when we turned 50, our sex life just took off. I mean, we've both been very sexually active for our whole mm -hmm. lives. And then mm -hmm. at 50, I don't know what changed, but um, we have never had better and more sex in our lives than Isn't that we great? Most yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. for sure. I mean, Carol became, started squirting, what, in your late 40s? Yeah, absolutely, yep. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Well, this is funny. When, when you teach sexuality, and you, I used to give these questions out to the kids, close your eyes and tell me what your sex life's going to be like when you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then close your eyes and tell me what you see when you think about your grandparents having sex. They go, yeah. And these, <laughs> and these students are like, 
oh my god That's it's going to be over it's going to be over by the time i'm 50 you know by the time i'm 60 i probably won't be able to get it up and i won't find my wife attractive well, and please don't let me think about my grandparents. Well, I'm pretty sure that I was a lot of external cues, but I'm absolutely remember a time, perhaps I was 15, 16 years old, and I thought sex was only for people who wanted to have babies, like under the age of 30. Like after that, you don't even sure. have sex anymore at all. Like that well, was the kind I of feeling still, I had. What's sad is I think there's still people out there that really feel that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live on Marco Island, Florida. It's very, very conservative a very religious community. I mean, I love it because it's, it's paradise. I can be in the Everglades in my kayak in 15 minutes from my house, but it's a very traditional conservative religious area. And I think if I did a survey, I'd probably find that half of the people over 60 have, don't have sex with each other anymore. Yeah. You know, what, you, know too bad. you know what's very interesting about what you just said? Uh, we were at Hedonism a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're going mm-hmm. back next week and we go there regularly. And it is incredible and exciting to see all the people over 60 and into their mm-hmm. 70s who are having active sex lives, not just themselves, but as swingers in the lifestyle. We have our best friend, uh, they're coming to visit us this weekend from LA, and she's over 65. And when we go out on lifestyle trips or cruises, her and her husband mm-hmm. play not once a day, but probably three or four times a day. We can't keep up with we those guys. We cannot keep up with them. And, oh my gosh, and the yeah. older they get and the more excitement and adventure they add into their sex lives, the the the, the sexier and more fun that they have um, is, is in their relationship. And mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, with good lube and Viagra and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can use porn as a stimulus. Uh, swingers, we just use our past experiences as a stimulus for great sex. Mm-hmm. But it is okay for people of any age to say yes to great sex. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think part of it has to do with physiological health. You know, down here, there's like two different groups of seniors. Half of us are very physically active. We go to the Y, we go to the gym, you see people running and biking and everything. And then the other half are typical, you know, sedentary and by age 60, they're they're on the way out. So I think part of it is physical health, but I also think the other part is is a mental attitude yes. mm-hmm. that, you know, keeps you alive, keeps you interested. You kind of come to terms with who you are as a person. You're not worried about pregnancy. You're, you know, you have minimal disease worries. You're not worried about raising kids. Um, financially, you're kind of comfortable. So I think it's a whole different mindset that if you allow yourself when you get to these years, it can really be better. Yeah. than in the 20s and 30s. No, absolutely it can. There's so many things in favor. Uh, yeah, I think it's time for a quick break. We are going to be coming back to continue this discussion. We're talking with educator Dr. Rich Blona all about sex and gender. And when we come back, we're going to find out how we better we can better understand more about sex and how that can lead us to a better sex life. This is The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David, and we'll be right back after this. And again, you know, we're really not going anywhere. Just talking about Hito, it is probably um, our favorite place to go. It's the world's most iconic adult playground. It's Hedonism 2 in the Grill, Jamaica. We're going to be there December 14th to 27th for the inaugural Repeat Offenders Reunion Days. 
and repeat offenders is people who've been there before. It's the um, it's going to be a great time to be at Hito in December. And as Hito celebrates your loyalty with the lowest rates of the year. Incredible rates. Starting at $149 per person per night, whether you've been there three times or 15 times or you want to try it out for the very first time, this is the time to go and save. You can meet up with old friends or make lots of new friends. We're going to be there too. You can be friends with us. <laughs> we love course. making new friends. And that's Hedonism 2 Resort in Jamaica. Head to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for more information about this and other events. Absolutely. Did we mention that we're going to be there mm-hmm. in December? Mm-hmm. Love it. Darn. We're also going to be there in August, and we were just there in July. We love Hedo. And what about March? March. We're going back <laughs> with Young Swingers in March, full takeover. So just check out our website. Everything's there. All right. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're chatting with the amazing author and coach Dr. Rich Blona about understanding what is sex and now we're going to find out more about sexual behavior and sexual response. So we're just going to go back to what we were talking about before the break where we were getting into um, the biological sex and gender and the difference that makes. All right so let's kind of look about gender. When when people say you know can't you you just say who you are, you know, whether you're a, a biological male and you feel like you're a, man, a female, can you just say, well, I'm a woman? And my answer to that is absolutely. I think people can be who they say they are. And I think that is really what defines the transgender movement, you know, this freedom for people to play along this gender continuum. But given that, I really think that people need to understand that there's no denying that biological men and biological women are different. And the reason I bring this up is because it, it affects our sexuality over the course of our life, and it affects, you know, whether the sex is good or not. Let me let me give you some examples. You know, men and women are different, right? We have different bodies. Our minds are programmed differently. There's tremendous scientific evidence that shows that in prenatal development, men and women's minds are influenced differently by different hormones. I call it pre-wiring a switchboard. Okay. Uh, there are hormonal cycles, our hormonal levels are different and cycles are different. And these really carry over. Let me tell you how they carry over. For example, use myself again. I'm a biological male, right? I've never had a fluctuating hormone cycle. So what does that mean? To me, from birth till death, my level of testosterone is going to be flat. And when it goes low, my brain will signal my testes to pump out some more. and Everything's fine women's brains are pre-wired to have circulating levels of hormones. So at any given point in their cycle, that's a whole nature of a menstrual cycle, their estrogen might be high while their progesterone might be low. And those fluctuating cycles cause fluctuations in everything from body changes to mood to behavior. I've never experienced that because I've never had a fluctuating cycle. I've also never had a menstrual period, right? And, and the other aspect about those fluctuating cycles is it causes menstruation. I've never uh, gotten pregnant or carried a child to birth, and I've never experienced birth. And I've never experienced the joy of breastfeeding an infant. And I've really never had to worry about the results of carrying an unintended pregnancy. You know, as a man, I've had to think about causing an unintended pregnancy but that's different than carrying one. And I've never had to worry about menopause. So when you think about those differences, I mean, those are biological realities that affect how men and women see themselves. I never spent a lot of time worried about how I'm going to deal with my period, right? Uh, My wife has. 
you know, she was one of the women, unfortunately, who had problems with her period early on and caused a lot of pain and whatever. That's an issue that while I could empathize with her, I never directly experienced it. So I think you really need to acknowledge that, yeah, gender identity is fluid, but biological sex is a reality. And to me, there's still a lot of issues related to at what point do you really know what your gender is? And, and I kind of think that you should allow that body to go through puberty and, and experience the full range of our, now I'm, not, I'm on a developed adult male. What does that feel like? Now I'm a developed adult female. But that's kind of how I see, you know, why gender is, it, it should go beyond just saying that, you know, I'm a man or I'm a woman. There, there's a biological reality connected to it. And certainly when you do have the body parts that go with it, um, sure. it doesn't mean it has to influence your whole life because some people do want to change those body parts, but it right. still makes you unique and you have those things and you're creating those hormones the way that they're meant to be for you. So you just kind of have to go with the flow, if you ask me. That's that's how you were sure. made. Sure. And, but even you know within body parts, I mean it sets the stage for how does your mind interpret your body parts? Like I remember being a kid and going to a local community pool and, you know, having, yeah, I, was, I was a late bloomer, so I didn't really go through puberty until I was about 14, about 15. And I remember going to the locker room with these, you know, uh, like 17 year old guys with, you know, eight inch penises and mm. pubic hair. Mm-hmm. And here I am with my scrawny little dick and I'm looking <laughs> at them and I'm saying, oh my God, will I ever be like uh-huh. that? You know, I was almost embarrassed to like yeah. put my shirts on. So we kind of go through these body image issues, whether we really even understand it or realize that they do affect us. And I agree with you, Carol. I don't think they determine your sexual destiny, but I, I, I totally believe they influence it. They're a part. And to deny it, and just say, oh, no, it doesn't matter what the biology is. You know, we're all equal and we should blah, blah, blah. I think that's just bullshit. That's, no, I agree with that's that too. denying reality. And one of the things that I just, uh, when now we're talking about identity, uh, when someone, I'm just going to say, I'm going to pick this, if someone looks like a typical male out on the outside, mm-hmm. but inside they feel like a female. And uh, yet mm-hmm. it's for the, uh, for people, the public can't really tell the difference because he physically looks like a male. Right. How does that person go about telling people that, in fact, I would like, I am a girl? Like, how does that work? Oh my gosh, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, I, I, I you know, just imagine what that would be like. And, you know, especially starting with your parents and your siblings and then your best friends, you know, and I think that's the reason why so many people struggle and get caught up in, in trying to meet societal expectations. And at 45 years old, they say, you know what? This is bullshit. I lived this lie my whole life. Now it's time for the real me to come out and, and, and to, to free. So imagine just running your, you know, spending your whole life kind of keeping that all inside mm-hmm. and being afraid, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I really respect therapists and coaches who, who work with people like that. It's also why I'm really very hesitant to be overly critical about the transgender movement when they, you know, make blatant statements about, you know, you can be anything you want to be, and they totally deny the biological reality right. because I really understand the pain that those people have. And even just being gay and coming out. Imagine, you know, being trans and coming out. It's like it's it's just an overwhelming 
overwhelming. Well, we certainly so. feel it just being swingers and coming out, you know, the, the looks and the, yeah. the way that people perceive you afterwards. They think you're like a sex fiend or something that we're swingers. Well, you mean you guys don't just lay around and talk to people <laughs> all day? Well, just, you, that would I be nice. You don't have jobs and, you know, you don't I know. go to work and you don't raise families. And but, no, we just keep going to hedonism. <laughs> but everything to do with sex and sexuality has such a taboo connotation in every every sure. different way it's scary to come to the truth and let people know how you actually feel on the inside it takes decades yeah and it took me 40 years to yeah. get over my catholic guilt right L really literally 40 years and i mean it, it really you know wasn't until after that point that i could be comfortable like jerking off for example or comfortable saying to myself that you know i lust after other women i mean the, the the guilt yeah. from my early training. And I was, you know, I studied psychology. I was a, a counselor, therapist in training. It's just amazing the power of repressed sexuality. I could personally think sex is the strongest. Sex and survival are the two strongest, <laughs> yeah. you know, dr drives we yeah. have. Yeah, absolutely. And so now we're going to move along on this whole transition of a discussion that we're having and talk about sexual preference or orientation, because I think that was like number four or five on your list. Yeah, and yeah. So what is the difference between sexual preference and sexual orientation? Uh, they're pretty much synonymous as far as I can see it. I'm really not going to nitpick over the terms. What's more important to me is defining them both as adult-free choice of sex partners and very rarely do you see those qualifiers, adult and free choice, uh, you know, added into the definition. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying about, you know, to me, I use the qualifier adult because it's not unusual for people to experiment with same sex partners, opposite sex partners, both partners in childhood, adolescence and young adulthood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Childhood play is characterized mm -hmm. by, you know, playing with you show me mine, I'll show you yours yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So I think by adulthood, people have had the time and the opportunity to kind of experiment and make an informed choice about, you know, the kinds of partners they desire and the kinds of partners they prefer to have sex with. Mm -hmm. So that that's the adult part. To me, the free choice part is it, it's got to be free will. It has to be a decision based on, okay, I have the free choice to experiment and do this and do that, and then this is what I'm... This is what I feel. And think about guys who are incarcerated. And that's my perfect example that, you know, when I talk to my guys that were incarcerated, I said, well, you know, tell me what's going on with your sex life. And they say, well, dude, you know, I've got three choices. I can be celibate, I can jerk off, or I can fuck other guys. Okay, so, so those three choices really are not free choices. You know, given their freedom, these guys, most of them, you know, would prefer to have heterosexual sex with women. But being in jail, you know, they were forced to to have one of the other three choices. So I would say, well, you know, how do you see yourself as a man? And they'd say, well, I'm, I'm, what do you mean? You know, I'm still a man. Uh, just because, you know, some other guy sucks my dick or I fuck him in the ass, you know, I'm still a man. And it, it, it was really a revelation for me because, you know, if you were to do like sex research for Kinsey or Masters and Johnson, you would check off the box for that guy as, you know, homosexual or, or possibly bisexual. So, you know, adult free choice, 
you know, has to be taken into the mix when you're really talking about sexual orientation. Yeah. And, you know, we... And I, we, we yeah, sorry, go I was ahead. just going to say that, and this can change, so there's a perfect example that while he's incarcerated, this is his only option, so therefore he takes those options, but when he comes out, he's going to go back to being heterosexual, probably, if that was his choice. But even, yeah. if, even if his choice outside of jail was to try out male sex, that's okay. He doesn't mean he's bisexual forever. But he, we, we have that in swinging situations mm -hmm. all sure. the time because mm -hmm. you have the opportunity mm -hmm. to explore your sexuality as long as you're open-minded mm -hmm. like you know carol isn't bisexual but every once in a while she might want to lick another pussy it doesn't make her bisexual or into girls she just wanted to try something and there are a lot of bisexual men in the lifestyle as well but they just want to explore and see they what just it's want like to and they might do it once a year once in a while right. just because the timing and you know we like using the word bi-situational or bi-convenient because everything all the stars lined up properly for you to try something a little bit different or maybe I mean, a guy just wanted to try sucking another guy just because he could. Exactly. We're in but, an open-minded area and it's, it, the it's same, okay. It's the same thing with double penetration. It's not something you're going to do every day mm -hmm. or anal sex. It's something that's there to try to um, add to the excitement of your sexual um, adventures. And, and next week you can you like say, it. next yeah. week you can say, I, I don't want that. In two years, you can try it again. So, you know, we agree yeah. a thousand percent with you that you don't have to put yourselves in these boxes and add these labels. It's whatever's good for you today. And it doesn't mean that it's good for you tomorrow. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've often thought about that. I'm not a swinger, but if I was in a situation, let's say in a threesome and, you know, another couple said, like, join us and, you know, I'm focusing on the woman, but then all of a sudden I'm next to the guy and my cock rubs up against him and you know, what do I do if it feels good? You know, do I do I follow because God forbid I might enjoy it and what would that mean? You know, so again, there's like the mind getting into in, interpreting and thinking ahead of what would this all mean to me if it played out that way. And that kind of stuff is if you want to be in the moment and really experiment with that kind of stuff, you, you have to recognize those thoughts going on in your mind and just kind of accept them that well that's what your mind does and just let it play out but you know it's, it's just an interesting situation i mean right. it brings up the whole issue of labels of why do we even have to characterize mm -hmm. our sexual orientation exactly and, and, and we and don't really have to it's just a way of communicating i think yeah the other night we played mm -hmm. with a single guy and we did double vag i had my cock and he had his cock and carol's pussy and both of us were super hard because carol got so turned on and it wasn't mm. about the two cocks touching each other. It was the whole um, experience that we were both turning Carol on. And it was, I think, the first time we had done it. And Carol's like, I want to do this again. So, you Very know what? Cool. It was all good. It's yeah. not. A, it's just skin on skin, right? I was asking David yeah, what it feels like to be rubbing his cock next to another cock that's in my pussy. And he said, well, it just feels like your pussy. You can't really tell that it's a cock, right? <laughs> can't really tell. So I was so curious The other guy that. was so turned on, he didn't even move because he, he didn't want to come right away. And I was doing all the moving. And it's like, okay, this is hot. This is cool. But we, we learned a little bit right. from that. We learn from every sexual um, adventure we get into. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it's, it's kind of opening my eyes and my mind just hearing you guys talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about sexual behavior, is that the kind mm -hmm. of thing that you talk about? How does that fit into your sexual roles and all of the other things that you were talking about for sex? Well, again, you know, if you look at sexual behavior as part of sexual identity, right? And you look at, you know, how we evolve as people, as sexual people. And we might start off in, you know, our, our younger years as, you know, exploring ourselves through masturbation. Or we might not. There might be real strong taboos and we might get punished for it. So that kind of behavior gets put over here. 
And then we get involved in relationship, you know, we get into making out and dry humping and all these fun non-penetrative things. And depending on the extent of that repertoire and how we felt about that and how that all worked out, you know, that's another little piece that goes in the memory bank. So we kind of work our way up through a repertoire of sexual behavior, and that helps us define how we see ourselves as sexual people. You know, some people stop at missionary, heterosexual missionary position because that's what they've learned, that's what they've been taught, and they've been taught that anything other than that is dirty and it's taboo, and, you know, might live their whole lives that way. So at age 68, their behavioral repertoire and behavioral experience creates in their mind the self-picture of who they are as a sexual person which could be limiting and could really interfere with their ability from that point on to, to experience more pleasure. Whereas someone who may have a broader repertoire, maybe he isn't so penis-centered. Maybe there's a day he's able to just relax and use his hands and his nose and his face and his cheeks and his tongue to provide pleasure to his partner. And that's good enough because, you know, or, or great, you know, because he's allowed himself to try that and see how it plays out. So, I really think, you know, how sexually experienced we are in terms of the things we allow ourselves to try out definitely influences how we see ourselves as sexual people. It's a big chunk of our sexual identity. No, absolutely. That just makes a whole lot of sense. I think this is a great time now to take another quick break. Let's just remind everybody that we are Carol and David, and we are here with author and sex educator, Dr. Rich Blona, talking about how important it is to learn more about our sexual behavior in order to better understand what sex means to us, each of us. And when we come back, we'll get into our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. So stay right there. Stay right there. We're still right here. We're going to talk a little bit about our friends at SDC because they are sponsoring the next segment. We're going to talk about the SDC Croatian Cruise. You need to get ready to experience SDC's famous foam parties, deck parties, erotic live shows, and of course, their amazing playrooms, or to simply savor all the sexy couples, including us, that (laughs) SDC has to offer. And the cruise will be departing from Venice, Italy, August 29, 2020, uh, for seven sensual nights and eight glorious days of visiting some of the most historic cities in Europe, throughout Croatia and Eastern Mediterranean. Come party with us on a ship full of open-minded, sexy couples and find yourself swept up into a dream world of such incredible beauty and sensuality that will take your breath away. For more information about this trip or any other of the events that we go on, visit the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. Absolutely. And as you guessed, we love to travel. All right. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are having a great discussion with Dr. Rich Blona, um, who is a sex educator and author. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex before we have great sex because (laughs) great sex matters and we all deserve it. So I know we have, we're talking about all sorts of things about sex and sexuality and sexual identity, but one of the things that you are great at is putting all of these things together so that we can have better sex. 
uh, mindful sex using all the different things that we have. And when I was looking at your new book, I saw that you had a great definition for mindfulness and you described it as a non... It's funny because his new book is called Sexual Mindfulness. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were talking about mindfulness because that's one of the buzzwords that's out there now. We talk a lot about it, but I loved your description and that it's a non-judgmental moment-by-moment awareness, fully engaged in the present moment with all five of your senses. I just love that definition. <laughs> Thanks. So, so Sounds like fun, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, Rich, in your new book, you explain, you know, a whole bunch of things. So let's get into the introduce the introduction to sexual mindfulness and all the different massages and going down sure. on her and going down on him. All right, let me start with just having you close your eyes and imagine something. Okay, so close your eyes and you know I'll speak to you. You know I'll speak to Carol, then I'll speak to David. But so close your eyes and imagine that you're having sex with Carol. Now, if you were doing it mindfully, here's what would be happening. 100% of your attention would be focused on Carol and your sexual environment. And all of your senses would be involved is what is going on in the present moment with Carol's body and your environment. So you would be totally aware with sight, scent, taste, touch, and smell, both with her and your environment. So if there was a gentle breeze blowing through, you'd pick that up. If there was a scented candle, you would be aware of that. Uh, if her skin felt slightly different or tasted different or looked different, that would all be the focus of your attention, right? And then your thoughts. Your thoughts would focus on the experience of making love, and I'll talk to you, Carol, with David. They wouldn't drift to something that happened in the past, or they wouldn't jump ahead to something that might happen in the future. So you wouldn't be thinking about that stupid phone call you had two hours ago or this freaking appointment you have two hours from now, all you would be thinking about is what David looks like, smells like, tastes like, and feels like, even though you fucked them a thousand times, okay? Now, you wouldn't try to figure anything out about Carol. You wouldn't try and figure anything out about your lovemaking. You wouldn't try and anticipate what was gonna happen next or how the whole thing was gonna play out in this session. Instead, all you would think about it was you would just notice. You would notice and accept what was going on in the present moment. So no thinking ahead, no saying, oh, shit, I wonder if this is going to turn out like I did yesterday. Or, oh, shit, she's doing this. It'll probably turn out this way. No, it's just, okay, how does that feel? How does that taste? How does she smell? What's going on? You wouldn't judge or compare David or his lovemaking to some societal standard or some other sexual encounter you have with someone else. You would simply enjoy and accept him and your lovemaking with him for what it is, not what it could be or what it should be according to some other standard. And then lastly, you wouldn't be discussing anything. You wouldn't be talking. Any messages that you needed to send or communicate would all be done non-verbally or with a simple touch or a simple moan. Now imagine what your sex life would be like if you and David could approach each sexual encounter like this in such a mindful way. Now I don't care if you've been together five years, 10 years, or 47 years like my wife and I, 
your lovemaking will never go stale if you can bring this moment-by-moment -moment mindfulness to each sexual encounter. And that's what sexual mindfulness does. It enables us to look at each sexual encounter with our partner as new and unique because in reality it is new and unique. How does that sound? Wow, that sounds awesome. And one of the things I was really surprised about is that you said that you don't speak or talk or uh, mm -hmm. I guess you don't give direction. What, what if, you know, he's going on the wrong spot on my clit and I really wanted more mm -hmm. force or I just, I push his head or like, how can well, I... I you could do it a couple of different okay. ways. You know, you could say, all right, this is going to be our mindfulness encounter. We're just going to try and do it in a totally mindful way and see how it plays out and just play with that. Or you can make variations. And since you really know what you want and what you need, you could just nudge him or push him. But the thing is, as soon as you do that, you're starting to think it, overthink it a little bit too much rather than just let it happen. So I would suggest if you do that, then just get back to saying, okay, how does that feel? How do you know, and, and get back to a totally right now what's going on because because when you direct them like that in a sense what your mind is doing and jumping ahead and mm -hmm. saying if he doesn't do that i'm not going to come or mm -hmm. if he doesn't do that okay, i'm that. probably not going to enjoy it as much as i did last time mm -hmm. rather than just saying mm, that's interesting let me mm -hmm. go with it that, that's an interesting point yeah, because like normally when i go down and I, I start eating carol's pussy and licking her clit and you know getting all the blood flowing into the area at a certain point, she says, okay, now put two fingers in. And, uh -huh. you know, normally, you know, I want to go slowly and, and do it at my pace. But when she says, uh -huh. okay, I'm ready, put two fingers in, what you're saying is she shouldn't have to say that. She should just sit there and enjoy what I'm doing. And through what her, how her body is reacting, I would know when it's the right time to do something different. Yeah, or just look at it again. Go into the experience saying, okay, Carol, tonight... We're just going to do a mindfulness fuck. You know, the whole purpose here is mindfulness practice. Just go with what I do and I'll just go with what you do. And we'll kind of keep an open mind and see where it leads us. And, I mean, it's not like it's going to be the last time you guys are ever going to have sex. So, <laughs> no. You know, if, if it turns out that it isn't as pleasurable as maybe you would have liked it to be, well, that's fine. Just but that's, inter that that's interesting because on. when you go down on me, Okay, when you're sucking my cock, you're always worried that you're not doing it right. And you get to a certain point where it's like, okay, I'm not going to get anywhere. I'm going to fuck you now. Well, it's not that I don't want to think I'm doing it right. I just uh, I just do it for me because I just enjoy the experience. If you come, great. If you don't, well, sorry. But I'm not doing it with the purpose of making you come. Exactly. Okay, but, so it's not that I'm not doing it right. But by you, by you doing it, it feels good. And we, like I think what Rich is saying is there doesn't have to be an end to it. You just go down there and do it as mindful sex. Well, I'm usually very mindful because I'm just focusing on your cock, but not for the purpose of making you have an orgasm. I'm doing it for pleasure, and I'm doing it for my own pleasure. But Rich, what if she was just you know giving me a blowjob and there mm -hmm. was nothing else that comes after, and you 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 just enjoy that one moment. Is is that what you're talking about? About it being a mindful blowjob? Yeah, you know, all I'm saying is that the focus shouldn't be on the end point; it should be on the process. That that while she while you're engaged in doing this, Carol, though the whole focus isn't on thinking about what it's going to lead to. The whole focus is on 
noticing the head of his penis, noticing the shaft, noticing the blood vessels, noticing the smell, noticing the taste. And just whatever you do, just do it in a mindful way and and just enjoy that. And, and, and it ends where it ends. Maybe he'll finally say at some point, you know, that was great. Let me put it in now. Or he'll just continue to lay back and moan. And, and don't worry about that. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I know it's different. And that's why I'm saying every sexual encounter we have doesn't have to be a mindfulness experiment. But I look at it almost like meditation practice that, okay, I practice meditation so I can be more mindful, but I can also practice a specific activity in a more mindful way and just look at it as practice. So maybe, you know, just go into the sexual encounter and say, you know what, let's do a mindfulness thing today. Let's start with the bubble bath and the candles, get the whole sensual thing working, and then let's just do whatever we do and however it plays out, it plays out, and just see what that feels like. And so like one of the things I was just thinking about while you were talking and I had my eyes closed and thinking about it was that, so if you're, let's just say you are doing the steps of a beautiful, sensual lovemaking session and now Mm -hmm. you start sucking cock and now, okay, that feels good. It's great. And I'm done sucking cock. And now I shift into, I I start riding his cock. As you Mm -hmm. shift into the new position, you kind of have to reset your mindfulness. Now it's a different feel. It's a different look. And now you're not looking at the cock anymore. Now you're looking at his face. Like, do you just then continue it? Or do you kind of stop and reset? The focal point changes, that's all. I mean, the sensations in your pussy are still there. And they might be different because of the pressure and the stimulation and whatever, the positioning. But it's still his body, your body, our body. The, the 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 sense the 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 you know feelings going on inside, but it's just a different focus now. Now you're riding rather than sucking, and now all of your attention goes on to that genital connection that you have, and and you just go from there. So it's almost it's like like a fluid shift. It's nothing mm-hmm. dramatic. Mm-hmm. No, it sounds yummy and it sounds great. And I love the idea that uh, we kind of have to give our cues and our communications in a instead of like you said instead of directing what's going to happen next okay now do Mm -hmm. me from behind that it just kind of flows in that way and it kind of feels Mm -hmm. probably more authentic or more natural yeah and i think it also takes the whole power equation out of sex i'm one of those people that never really got into power differentials and you know someone must always control and almost be powerful and you can't give up power. And I know some people get off on that and that's all about what S and M is, you know, the whole power differential. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I think when you're doing mindfulness, it's, you kind of get out of that mindset. And that's why I'm saying, look at it as just a different kind of sexual encounter. It doesn't have to be your go-to always type, but it's just a a different, a nuance, a variation. Well, I really like it a lot. Sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and, and I know one of the things that you go and you talk about uh, back massage and uh, right. oral sex. So you apply those same things in all the different massages and the foot massage. And is it something special you have to do? Oh, absolutely. Because again, so let's say you're doing the mindful foot and leg exercise. Okay. So most people who give a massage actually do it because it's like, okay, how soon can I get this over with? It's a lot of work rather than saying, okay, I'm going to take this one leg and I'm going to start and I'm going to explore these toes and this foot and this heel and this Achilles and this calf 
and this inner thigh and this outer thigh. And I'm going to explore where the thigh meets the butt and how it converges into the, the labia. And, and then I'm going to come back down and I'm going to, I'm going to look at it in reverse. And, and I'm going to just totally focus on the nuances and how those muscles change and feel. And as I'm doing that, I'm also going to change how I interact with it. Maybe I'll rub my nose and my forehead and my cheek. Maybe I'll lick it all the way up one time and maybe run my forehead down one time. Maybe I'll just use my fingertips one time. Maybe I'll see what it feels like to use pressure with the heel of my hand. Maybe I'll pick the, that foot up with both hands and knead it like a piece of the dough. So it's kind of just like, wow, I've got this leg and this foot and these toes. And I'm going to really devote all of my attention and all of my senses to kind of exploring it and sharing it in a way that's just going to give pleasure to my partner. And I'm really not looking for anything in return. The only return I'm going to get is I'm going to stand up and put her feet around my cock up my ball so she feels how much this is the turn on and feels the power. But it's really going to be more about pleasing her and what it leads to, who knows, maybe it just leads to a wonderful foot, leg, and butt massage that she then falls asleep and, you know, I go read my book or maybe maybe um, <laughs> or masturbate maybe it's the, yeah, just or masturbate, masturbate on her ass or, or, or maybe uh, it leads to some you know hot sex you know from there Beautiful. but the focus is just on those body parts using everything and i mean it, it's much easier to conceptualize when you're thinking about going down on somebody because you know people think that when you go down on somebody it's all about your mouth but I mean, it's your lips, it's your tongue, it's your nose, it's your cheeks, it's your forehead, you know, it's and your, your breath, hair. And even your breath, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of that gets involved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, focusing on, boy, that really feels great as my hair goes through her pubic care and as my hair rubs up against her clit and as my nose kind of gets down in there. I mean, just, you know, and I'm not thinking about it, I'm not wondering anything, I'm just kind of enjoying the hell out of this. You know, and I can tell from the way she's moaning that she is, too. Well, I know and, David has heard many, many times I always say, I don't know what you're doing down there, but it sure feels great. <laughs> Keep it up. Now, I think we're getting to the end of our show now, and uh, okay. I guess it's time for some final advice. What would you say are the top two things that a couple could do tonight to help them start practicing mindfulness, which can lead to great sex? All right. I'd, I'd set the mood first. I'd make it become a, a sensual experience. So I would burn some candles or burn some incense, and I would have some music playing in the background. I'd stay away from anything with lyrics, because once you get lyrics, your upper mind starts to interpret it, and now you're thinking, you're not just noticing. So it would be like, do the sensual background. If you got satin sheets and you like them, put them down. I would do a bubble bath. You know, nothing like having those bubbles and warm water on your breasts and your mm -hmm. cock and your body and just kind of sit and luxuriate it and wash each other. Maybe wash her hair or wash his hair, you know, and just so, so it's like a whole sensual prelude leading into it. And that kind of primes you for being aware of the sense part. And then I would go into just some kind of simple non non uh, sexual massage like the foot massage the back massage 
just again to kind of make the experience totally on I'm doing this to please you and I'm going to take my time. It's not going to be a chore. I'm going to enjoy it. You're going to feel what it feels like to be caressed by someone with all of their senses who's not in a hurry. And, and I think that it's, it's very non-threatening. It doesn't have to be performance-based. You know, am I going to come? Or are you going to come? Or are we going to come? How often are we going to come? Blah, blah, blah. It's just about giving pleasure in a very sensual, mindful way, a very non-threatening way that anybody can do. I don't care if you're 75 and you've never had oral sex. I mean, you can do that and enhance your mindfulness. And, and who knows where that will lead to. Wow, that sounds really, really great. Awesome, awesome Take advice. Take it from an old man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, Rich, that was absolutely amazing. Um, as we spoke before the show, uh, we are going to definitely have you back in the near future. There's so much amazing information that you have to share with our listeners. Um, why Great. don't you take a minute and tell everyone how they can find you online, on social media, your courses. Okay. Well, if you go online to www.drrichbalana.com, so it's D-R-R-I-C-H-B-L-O-N-N-A.com, you get to my homepage. It pretty much explains that I'm the stress and the sex guy. It gives you links if you want to explore the sexuality part. It gives you links to explore the stress part. And it talks about the books that I offer. There are links to my books. There are links to my home study courses. I make a variety of home study courses like sexual mindfulness. I have a sexual mindfulness home study course where I shoot videos. You get to see me on video. You get my book. And I give you ex exercises to practice at home. And my courses are very affordable. They're $69 on average. So check it out. Uh, and I'm also on social media. I have a Twitter com, uh, account at drrichbolana.com. I've got Facebook and LinkedIn accounts. Just look up Richard Blana or Dr. Richard Blana and you'll find me. And uh, if you want to shoot me an email, I'm available at drrich at drrichbolana.com. And I offer premium coaching services. You can book an hour for me. The first half hour is just a free consult to see where you're coming from. But um, I do coaching for $150 an hour. And then if you book me at multiple hours, it's a much, much reduced rate. So check it out. I'd love to hear from you. And just shoot me a question if you heard something in today's broadcast that interests you and you want me to expand on. Wow, that's beautiful. And we're all learning more and more every week with all our fantastic expert guests, and we hope you do too. Remember to visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, to find credible information about sex and sexuality. And also, if you want to find an open-minded online community where you can meet other sexy people and find other events that are happening near you, you can sign up on sdc.com. You can use promo code 30314 for the first month free. So check it out. And remember to join us at Hedonism 2, the ultimate clothing optional resort in Jamaica for the amazing Repeat Offenders reunion days, December 14th to 27th, when the rates are going to be as low as $149 per person per night. And the sexiness is definitely going to be off the charts, and we're going to be there too. So for more information about this trip or anything else, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. And we just want to remind you that our show is sponsored by our top waterproof blanket because nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot 
and squirt is hot until it's not. So remember, go to Amazon and search top waterproof blanket. All right, we're done with another show. Dr. Rich Blana, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much. And I really enjoyed talking with both of you. I look forward to being your guests as often as you can tolerate me. And we will definitely have you back. And we also want to thank all our listeners for listening. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 